Lead and empower her with Dr. Julie Ducharme, the show that takes you around the world to share interviews with some of the most successful and relevant people on the planet. Hear their stories and get the most important business lessons they have learned on their road to success and get exclusive advice on how to implement their success into your life and business. Lead and empower her with Dr. Julie Ducharme is brought to you by the Strategic Advisor Board and your host, Dr. Julie Ducharme. Hi, I'm Dr. Julie Ducharme, and welcome to the Lead and Empower Her She CEO Talks. This is where we get to talk with women around the world doing amazing jobs. And I'm so excited today to have with us Holly McPeak. She is a three-time Olympian in beach volleyball, the third winniest player of all time on the beach with 72 pro titles. She won a bronze medal in the 2004 Olympic Games in Athens, Greece. And currently, Holly is broadcasting indoor and beach volleyball for Fox Sports, ESPN, and Pac-12 Network, along with running her elite beach volleyball club. Holly, welcome to the show. So good to be here. Thanks for having me. And and we didn't even coordinate, guys. I just got to say, we didn't even coordinate. We're both wearing pink. I love it. Well, being someone who loves volleyball and and getting a chance to be involved in it for so many years, I'm excited that we get to chat because um, you're not that much older than me. I think we're about eight years apart. Um, But I remember watching you play. And it was a real inspiration to me because I grew up in a farm town where Volleyball wasn't very big, but we had all these really tall farm girls. Uh, they were like 6'3", six, 6'4". Six, and so a coach put together volleyball, and he was the football coach. And he went and read the book and was like, yeah, we could probably figure out volleyball, right? So we're getting coached by a football coach. Um, and we have all these girls who are really exceptional athletes. And, and it was kind of this strange phenomenon. And so, you know, we, it started gaining popularity in our little town. And, you know, I had never played until high school. And so this was really, really interesting for me. And um, I could jump really well. And that's why the coach liked me. But I was really raw, like backwards, like I could barely serve the ball over the net. You know, I was this six foot tall, gangly girl. Um, you know, my approach was all goofy footed, you know, but we, but we somehow made it work. And, and that was kind of where volleyball, I started to gain a love for volleyball and then start learning about it. And, and the best coaching I ever got is I went to Pepperdine when um, Marv Dumphy was the coach of the men's Olympic team and got a chance to do a camp with, you know, Eric Sato and, and some of the well-known players at that time. And it was really fun. And, and so, you know, I've always had a passion for that. And, and this Gumphy player actually made it to college. You know, I, I got a college scholarship and got to play a little bit overseas. So it's been a love. Um, but you have been a pioneer for women in sports of volleyball. And, and I guess I want to start the conversation with what was it like, because it couldn't have been easy as you were pioneering your way through it. I always feel like women's sports have never gotten the credit that the men's sports have. Well, I'll tell you, there were women who came before me who really paved the road. I mean, by the time I was in high school, obviously it was a, a it was a high school sport um, in Southern California. Um, a lot of people before me, it wasn't. So um, there's a lot of athletes that came before me and, and paved the road. So I felt like when I had the opportunity to open up, you know, opportunities for players that would come after me, I, I definitely tried to do that. Um, you know, growing up in Southern California, volleyball is a big sport. Uh, I feel like at Maricosta High School in Manhattan Beach, that's where I, I went. Um, at that time in the 80s, <laughs> it, women's volleyball was bigger than our football team. I mean, we got we were the best team in the country. We got a lot of attention. We got big crowds. So in that respect, it was fun to be a part of the kind of, I don't know, the emotion and support behind the sport in my community. Um, 
But since then, I've seen it grow on the worldwide stage. Obviously, indoors on the national stage continues to grow, get more TV coverage. So it's fun to be a part of it on the other side and help support and promote these young athletes. Yeah, I remember, um, you know, playing in college and we went for our first national title. My mom wanted to watch, but it wasn't covered by ESPN. And so they tried to do back in the day, you know, this is 20 plus years ago, an internet feed, right? And so she went to the library and they were trying to help her watch this internet feed. Of course, it was way too slow. You know, I think it was still on dial up. Um, But she was so frustrated because she's like, why aren't they covering all the women's sports? You know, and of course now they are. And it's, it's amazing to see that and get to watch that. Um, but as you were finding your way to your top, people often talk about that you were a little shorter than the average height that they want volleyball players. Now I'm considered short at six foot. What were some of those struggles that you may have ran into having to prove yourself as a volleyball player out there? Well, I think obviously when you're smaller, you have to do things better. Um, I had to jump higher. I had to make my teammates better. I had to find ways to win. I mean, those are things that you have to do when you're not the tallest or most athletic or whatever, you find ways to win. And um, that's what I, I did. I learned how to be a good teammate. I was a setter. So I set up all the hitters around me, make them look good, help, you know, coach them up. And, and I had a strong desire to work hard and do whatever it took. And I love winning. So all that combination really um, worked in the right direction. People, I think people value that, right? It doesn't matter how big you are, how small you are. If you have that fight and that grit and you want to win and the work ethic, I mean, you're a valuable asset to any team in anything, not even just a sports team in, in a business. You want somebody like that on your team. Well, and, and just so for people who are listening who may not know volleyball, so a setter is really like the quarterback of the team and actually an important, one of the most important players on the team. Uh, I played a middle blocker, which, you know, I, you would have constantly been saying, Julie, get out of the way. That's what my setter Emily would always say to me, get out of the way. Because for some reason, as middle blockers, we think that we're setters too. I don't know why we think that, but we do. Um, but setters run the offense for those of you who may not know volleyball. And so it's a really important aspect. So you do make the hitters look good and the hitters do get a lot of the glory. But the hitters wouldn't be able to hit without the setters. And, um, you know, something I loved about sports, and I'm sure you probably found this, is that when I played in college and, and above that, I made lifelong friendships. It's something I really loved about that. And, you know, I always am encouraging kids to play sports. I say, it doesn't matter if you go to play pro, you're going to make lifelong friendships because there's this camaraderie that builds when you're playing. And, and especially in beach, I would think that, you know, having just one other person that you have to depend on, you really have to have a good relationship. And I remember watching your career and you had some, some tough losses with some of your teammates that took some uh, real rough injuries. And I know that that happened a couple years in a row. And I, I wanted to talk about, you know, how do you come back from those tough losses in those critical games? Well, that's about getting knocked down, right? And getting back up. But back to the teammates thing, and then I'll answer your question. Um, In terms, I I won a national championship at UCLA in 1990, and we still have a group text. That's Mm. how close we are as a group. We all worked hard in the gym. We were willing to sacrifice whatever it it took at that time and, and work towards a common goal. And that is so bonding. We love and support one another. We weren't jealous. I mean, there's only six players out on the court, but it was everybody playing an important role in that drive to the championship. 
and we're all close and we support one another to this day. So I feel really special about that bond. On the beach, it's just you and one other player. Um, so communication is essential. Um, you know, uh, different personalities can play on the court and be successful. Sometimes they're not your best friend. Sometimes they are your best friend. Um, it just, you know, it's just how it works. Um, but chemistry is really important because it is only you two. And for me at the highest level, I was traveling around the world with this person and yeah. there's like travel challenge and health challenge and all sorts of logistical challenges that you have to deal with on top of the competition and trying to qualify for the Olympics or win an Olympic medal. Um, so it's important that, you know, you get on the same page and you work towards that goal together. That's really important. And, and yes, I had a ton of heartbreak. Um, in 2000, I qualified for the Olympic Games with Misty May, who was a young player on that time, just arrived on the scene. And, uh, on the scene, and she tore her abdominal muscles six uh, weeks before the Olympic Games in Sydney. Yeah. And you can't really get back up and running for eight weeks. And so we rehab, we did what we could, but all the rhythm and um, I guess momentum we gained uh, becoming one of the top teams in the world was kind of lost because we had to shut it down for those six weeks leading up to the Olympic Games. So by the time we got there, we weren't in the rhythm that we wanted to be. We finished fifth. Literally two weeks later, that eight-week point, we beat all the teams that were at the Olympics and all the best teams in the world in one event in Brazil. And that was actually our last event together. Um, but it was just unfortunate. And, you know, the Olympics come around every four years. And, and that's the challenge. Like, everything has to be working in the right, you know, timing to yeah. win that medal and to play your best at the Olympics. And I, I think about um, my senior year, we, we had won some national titles and we lost the national title our, our senior year in a very intense game. And at that point, you know, I mean, maybe I was like 21 and I, and I remember that being such a devastating moment. Right. And trying to think to myself, like, what's next, right? What's next? Cause it felt like, you know, it's great. We started off winning everything, right? So we hadn't lost, we were undefeated. We had won everything. So then you have that, that kind of like devastating initial loss, similar to some of the ones that you've had. What were some of the things that maybe also on the mental toughness side that you use to get yourself back up and get back out there? I know we have a lot of youth and especially young women who watch this show who get knocked down a lot. And, and that's always a question that they they ask a lot is, what do you do to get back up? How do you keep going? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's you know, you set goals, right? You set goals and it's not going to be easy. You, you, you know, come up with a plan. How am I going to achieve those goals? And then you go for it. And my thing is, I always want to make sure I'm prepared in the best way. So I don't have any regrets um, if I don't succeed or if I do succeed. But I feel like as a female athlete... I wanted to embrace every opportunity um, and I wanted to obviously maximize my own potential. I just thought that was really important. Um, I'm not somebody who does things halfway. So um, when I gave it my all and came up short, you know, Hey, I gave, I, I went for it. Um, but guess what? There's next time. Yeah. Um, and I just, I just didn't get down on myself because I felt I was proud of the fact that I put in the work to the, be the best that I could be. And even though I fell short, the other team was better, something happened. I don't know what it was, but 
I, I, I was fine. You know, sometimes it was hard, you know, getting on that plane home or I couldn't sleep to replay things in my mind. But the next day I woke up like, boom, it's yeah. over. I, I can only control what's in front of me. Can't change the past. And um, I kind of felt like new opportunity, new focus, and it just brought new energy. Yeah, I love that. And, and I feel, and I, I don't know how you feel about the younger generation coming in. Uh, I feel like we have to help them learn a little bit more of grit and courage. Um, you know, I mentioned I grew up in the country, you know, a farm area. Um, my grandfather was an immigrant. My, both of them were hard workers. We did a lot of hard work growing up. That's why I'm not a farmer. <laughs> I was like, I definitely don't want to do this the rest of my life. But I learned what hard work was early on. And, um, you know, getting to coach kids, I recently got to coach my daughter's junior high team, which I will probably never do again. Um, but, you know, I learned, like, I was trying to figure out how do I build grit into these kids, right? You know, we have a loss and it was like so devastating, you know, and I'm like, okay, let's, as you said, let's get back up, let's do it, you know? And I think athletes that play at the high level, like yourself, you know, this, that's, I think they average that as about 1%, right? Have that built. And, and I really want to see our youth, especially our young women build in that grit and courage that they're needed. Cause, cause life is not easy in any aspect of where you go in. And something I wanted to transition into is talk about stereotypes and cultural expectations. So when, when I was playing ball and I loved it, like you, it was like, I lived for, I lived for practice. People would be like, you want to go do a four hour practice? I'm like, let's go to a six hour practice. Like I lived for it. Um, and, and there was no regrets there, but oftentimes when I was chasing my dream, whether it was sports or other things I was doing, people would say things like, well, when are you going to get married? Are you going to have some kids soon? All the rest of us have had kids, you know, and the, and they would constantly ask me those things. And I'd be like, listen, I'm just chasing my dream right now. That's, that's what I'm focused on. And so did you ever run into that, you know, being a female athlete, you know, you're doing great. You're chasing dreams. Do people try and put any of those cultural expectations on you? You know, a little bit It is funny because I was traveling around the world competing, making very good money playing beach volleyball. And, uh, <laughs> It, you know, it didn't even phase me. I didn't really care what people thought, to be honest with you. I was kind of confident in what I was doing. I, um, I just had so many incredible opportunities. I was embracing them. Um, I didn't care, but my mom would say, oh yeah, you know, I had dinner with my friends and they were like, how, well, how does Holly make a living? Like, I'm like, uh, I make a really good living and I work really hard at it. Um, but people didn't realize that you could make money playing the sport. Um, and I had sponsorships and, you know, I did everything I could to maximize my financial opportunities when I was competing. Um, so, you know, it, on, on the peripheral, there were some things, but not really. I, I felt like, um, I was able to do everything I wanted to do. And, and people, I mean, aside from people saying, oh, I'm too short, I can never win. There weren't any other expectations or limitations that people put on me. You know, something I, I really love is um, being the underdog. As I mentioned, when I came in, I got recruited mostly because I could jump like crazy, right? But I was a huge underdog coming in. And I knew I had to work twice as hard than everyone else because everyone else had gotten to do club. I grew up in the middle of nowhere, you know, and I was just coming in on raw athletic talent. And I love that you talk about, you know, people gave you a hard time about your height, right? I mean, I played with this defensive specialist that she must've been five, two, and the girl could jump as just like nearly as high as me and hit just as hard. Right. And she was such a phenomenal player. Um, 
and she was Samoan and she, and, and I loved it because she would call us like wimps. She's like, you guys are wimps. You guys complain all the time. Like she would just, she, she was on the Olympic rowing team when she wasn't playing with us. Wow. Um, but you know, she was so fantastic and so good. And, and she would tell me that all the time. She's like, people think I'm the underdog, Julie. I'm not the underdog, you know? And I loved that though, because you know, it, it, it gave us a chance to really go like, okay, well, let me show you what I can do, you know? And, and I love that. And, you know, I think today when we, when playing sports, you know, for me, and I'm sure this did it for you, it obviously builds character it builds team skills and leadership. And I think that those transition so well into life. And as you've kind of transitioned from a player to a coach and even now, you know, um, on ESPN, how do you feel that those things have helped you? Oh my gosh. The lessons I learned from sports literally help me every day in everything I do. You, you, you get uncomfortable, right? You get pushed, you, you know, getting outside your comfort zone, um, being a good teammate. I mean, you think, uh, you know, I'm a coach, but I coach with other coaches and we're a team coaching these young athletes. How can we do a better job? And, and we all have different roles. And um, it, it's just the lessons I've learned have been incredible. I mean, even on TV, it's the people behind the camera. It's the people in the TV truck. They all help make a team. And you have to appreciate them. Everybody supports one another. And when everyone works together, it makes your job so fun. And I think that's if you work at a hospital, if you work at a police station, if you work at a library, a restaurant, it doesn't matter. If you're a good teammate and you support one another and, and you use your, your strengths for something and they use their strengths, it's just fun to be in that kind of atmosphere. It's a team, right? Yeah. And, and um, when you face a challenge, you can face it together and you're so much stronger. Uh, I just feel like no matter what situation in my life that I'm challenged with, um, I feel like, gosh, I can sit down, figure out a solution, gather the people around me, say, Hey, let's do this. Let's get to work. We can do this. Um, and I feel like that's a strength that I got and learned through sports. So, yeah. I mean, everything that I do. <laughs> I literally learned growing up playing sports. I love that. And, and I think it's a good, I always say it doesn't matter whether you're playing chess or you're playing a physical sport, anything that's going to require you to have discipline, to work with other people, to fail, to win. You know, I think it's such, so great. And, and that's why I always push youth, like, listen, get involved in something, something that's going to require you to have to practice it or learn it or do it, whether you're the best at it or not find something. And so I love that. And <clears throat> excuse me. And as um, I like to ask this question a lot. And so this question is, if you could go back to your younger self and give your younger self advice, what would you say? Gosh, you know, like I said, I feel like I have like no regrets. I learned, you know, from the lessons and the challenges and obstacles that I faced. There's, I, I don't know. I think as a coach, I've learned that one, you can train your skill, right? Your, your volleyball skills, those specific skills that you use on the court Two, you can train your body, right? You can get in the gym, you can do sprints on the track to stay explosive and dynamic. Those all help. But the third thing that I feel like is most overlooked in sports and maybe even in life is the mental side of it. Like yeah. what separates the best from the rest, right? It's that small mental edge. 
Mm-hmm. And as young athletes, and me included, I was not exposed to like a sports psychologist or even those kind of tools until I was at UCLA, a senior in college. Um, and I was fascinated by it. I was like, wow, we would meet as a team. We had all these slogans and it was in, in, the doctor gave us the, the tools to deal with certain situations. Some people had anxiety, some people had this, some people, you know, we all had different challenges. Um, but I, I just feel like it's a really fascinating subject that's opening up, um, so many new um, aspects of how we can train our brain in the sport. And so it's something that at Elite Beach Volleyball, we're exposing our kids to now. And we're doing, we work with a company called Mind Growth Lab and they deal with, you know, challenging things that like one recruiting athletes, when they're going through the recruiting process, really get stressed out and they do things out of character And, you know, they just, it's a lot of pressure on a young athlete. I mean, they're trying to get through, you know, school and their social media and all those other things. So just trying to give these young athletes the tools. I wish I would have had the tools. Um, I kind of learned them along the way, figured some things out. Um, But I think it's a, it's a really interesting area of sport. Yeah, I I would definitely say that mental toughness is often a lot of times lacking. And we've seen a lot of things happening um, in the college world, even with, you know, suicides from athletes and mental health and and mental awareness is really coming around. And and it is a tremendous pressure on our athletes, you know, to get a certain level grades, you know, be at practices, perform at the level. And of course, if they're performing at top schools, add that pressure onto it. Um, I really think it's a conversation that needs to be had consistently um, with our athletes. And unfortunately, I don't think every school and every college um, has the ability to offer that, but I hope that it eventually becomes something because we we've seen that over the last couple of years in particular, and it's been devastating to see these amazing athletes. And, and I agree the pressure is intense. And so I think that's something great that we, we need to push, um, even more today is how do we do that? And I love that you're doing that at your club, that you're recognizing and seeing that you're equipping oh, these athletes yeah. like early on with something um, because that is not taught. I think mental toughness comes from within us and our experiences and our fail- failures. And some of us are able to, like you said, you learned and you figured it out and you kept going. That doesn't work for everyone. So yeah. I think that's a great, great point on that. And the last thing is, are there any tips or advice you can give for whether it's young athletes or just youth in general um, who want to pursue their dreams? What are some tips that you could give them? Well, for me, it was like, you know what? I I was confident in my ability. I, I said I was undersized. I didn't have like the easy route <laughs> to mm-hmm. being an Olympian, um, but I set goals and kind of came up with a plan and just kind of put my head down and did the work and believed in myself. Um, something I learned later on was to enjoy the journey. Mm. Uh, I was grinding, grinding, grinding. I didn't want to like yeah. miss a thing. I was traveling all over the world and I, I didn't want to go see sites, mm. you know, and then like later on in my career, I'm like, you know what? I should kind of stop and smell the roses because sometimes when you're so heavy into your goal, mm. your life becomes a little imbalanced And if something goes wrong in that pursuit and there's an obstacle, then it affects the rest of your life. Yeah. So balance is really important. Um, And and for young athletes, hey, your tribe is your vibe. You want to surround yourself with people 
who support you, who are motivated. If you're hanging out with people who only care what they look like, who want to go smoke pot after school, you're not going to really go anywhere. So you want to support or surround yourself with supportive people. Um, and you don't know where you're going to find them. Um, sometimes they're adults, sometimes they're mentors. Um, but trying to surround yourself with a supportive group that supports you in pursuit of what you're trying to achieve. And then, you know what, guess what? We're all going to have obstacles. If it was easy, everybody would be successful. Um, And as you said, it's a small percentage of people who rise to the top. So you're going to have challenges. Keep your eye on the goal. And one, you can't change the future. So learn from it. It's like Mm -hmm. if you lose a big match, you know what? I can be really bummed about it, or I could say, okay, here's what I learned from this match and take it forward as knowledge and a tool. Um, so it's using those those challenges, those setbacks as, as tools for your future and, and helping you succeed in the future. Yeah, I love that. I, I agree with you on all of that. Balance is so key. And I think today in particular, our kids can get really out of balance because there's so much, right? I mean, we just didn't have, I didn't have that much growing up, I had a couple sports, but I mean, I now see kids are playing three sports at one time and, you know, they're yeah. trying to make the honor roll and they're trying to do this and it's great, but the balance is missing. And so I appreciate that because I think it's okay to tell people it's okay to take a break, smell the roses, enjoy what you're doing. Um, I love that. Well, thank you so much for being on the show and taking a moment to share with us what you've done in your life and also what other people can take from that. I think it's so important. And I think it's important as well. I I love interviewing women from around the world and all these different worlds, right? Because a lot of times people just interview Fortune 500 CEOs and they're great, but there's so much more outside of that and so many different levels. And so I really appreciate your honesty and transparency. So as I always say, live, love, laugh, and always be your authentic self. Thanks for listening to Lead and Empower Her with your host, Dr. Julie Ducharme. Please leave your feedback and visit strategicadvisorboard.com to get the latest and greatest business advisement on the planet. Follow us on social media for updates, and we'll see you on the next episode.